Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henley. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Well, listen, Luke chapter 22, uh, we're in verses 47 through 62 will be our text today. Our message is entitled, When It Looks Like We're Losing. When it looks like we're losing. Luke chapter 22, verse 47, it begins in this way. While he, that is Jesus, was still speaking, that is last time that we were together, we saw Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples and Jesus was in agony and and he asked his disciples to pray and and Jesus prayed as well. He he prayed to the Father, you know, Father, if if at all possible, remember, then then please, if there is any other way. But ultimately he said, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. And so we saw in that moment how Jesus fully submitted to the Father's will. And listen, his will would not be easy. It would be extremely difficult. And and then when he got done praying, it said that he he sweat and, and the sweat coming off of him were like great drops of blood because of the the pressure because of the agony that he was in, his capillaries were bursting. He was literally just convulsing with stress and pressure over the anticipation of the cup that he was about to drink, that cup that contained all the sin of humanity, that contained all the Father's wrath and fury against that sin. Listen, all hell was distilled into that cup. And so ultimately, Jesus gathers himself and he goes back to the disciples after that. And they were sleeping. They, they fell asleep. They, 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 they were supposed to pray, but they were tired. They were weak, just like us. And he wakes them up because his betrayer is about to enter into the garden. And so that brings us up to our passage today. Verse 47 again. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to what? To kiss him. Now, that was kind of a customary greeting for any disciple to greet his rabbi or his his teacher. That, That was very, very common. But Judas was taking that, and he was using it as a sign of betrayal. He was using it to point out who Jesus was to all that came to arrest him. And and interestingly enough, it also points out to us how how ordinary Jesus' uh, appearance was. You know, Jesus didn't stick out in a crowd. Verse 8, or verse 48. But Jesus said to him, Judas, Would you betray the Son of Man 
with a kiss. That is, listen, Judas, are you so dead inside? Are you so dead to all feeling that that you're going to betray me that way? That that you're going to betray me with a a sign of affection and, and yet stab me in the back at the same time? Is your conscience that seared, Judas? Verse 49. And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and, and cut off his right ear. Now, two things I want us to take note at, at this point. You know, if we look at the Gospel of John in chapter 18, verse 10, it tells us that it was Peter who, who cut off this high priest's ear. And it tells us that the high priest's name was was Malchus. And so I just want us to note about Peter here that he was a man of courage. I mean, Peter was willing to go to bear at this point. He, he, his zeal was misdirected. <laughs> you know, they only had two swords, you remember, last week. His zeal was misdirected, but Peter was willing to go down fighting, right? He's a good guy. Verse 51, but Jesus said, what? No more of this. Now, the gospel of Matthew actually adds that he had another conversation with Peter. And he says, don't you know, Peter, that I could pray to the Father and the Father would send 12 legions of angels. And so listen, one Roman legion was 6,000 men. So you know, I, you know, God could send 72,000 angels. And listen, if we know our Old Testament, we know in 2 Kings 19 that it only took one angel to wipe out 185,000 Assyrians. And so listen, we, we get the point here. <laughs> you know, Jesus is going voluntarily. <laughs> no one is making him. And so Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, uh, enough, uh, enough. This is why I came. I, I came to die for humanity. Verse 51 again. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs? When when I was with you day after day in the temple, you you didn't lay hands on me, but but this is your hour and the what? Hour of darkness. And so listen, by all outward appearance, it appears to be their hour. And so this is the beginning, and we'll see it the rest of this Uh, next chapter. This is the beginning of the darkest hour in human history. And listen, it looks like Jesus is losing, and yet the truth of the matter is he was fully in control. He was winning. He was literally saving you and me from sin and death. And so Listen to me, friends. What an incredible Savior we have. 
And so the truth of the matter is, oftentimes, when we look around at the many dark hours that we have to face in our lives, and and, and certainly this, this past year, we can say corporately we've experienced darkness, and many of us personally have, many of us have lost loved ones and struggles and just all kinds of stuff. But when it looks like we're losing in our lives, in our dark hours, when, when it feels like we just can't win, right? The reality is, just like Jesus was winning in his dark hour, I'm here to tell you, friends, Jesus is winning in your dark hour. By all appearance. Yes, amen. Preach it. By all appearance, it looks like we are losing. By all appearance, it looks like you cannot win. But nothing is further from the truth. Jesus is on the throne. His kingdom is coming. His spirit is inside of you. Listen, you are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And if God is for us, then folks, who can be against us? Don't let appearances fool you. That's all Satan has. Verse 54. Then they seized him, led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and and Peter was following at a what? That is, it is always dangerous to follow Jesus at a distance. And and so Peter, he's vulnerable here because he has... He separated himself from Jesus. And listen, Satan has the same strategy with you and me. He he seeks to separate us so that he can isolate us and thus easily pick us off. And so listen, he just does it one step at a time. One step at a time. You know, one step at a time, and all of a sudden, you separated yourself from your greatest love. You separated yourself from from the one who gave his life, or you separated yourself from the light, the Lord, the Savior, the only one who can help. Verse 55. And when they had kindled a fire in, in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and, and looking closely at him, that's the, she's staring at the guy. Have you ever had somebody stare at you? And said, this, this man was also with them. But he denied it, saying, woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. (laughs) And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted saying, certainly this man also was with him for he too is a Galilean. 
But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. That is, listen, Peter here clearly uh, denies Jesus uh, three times. And, and there's a couple things I want us to notice here. First, um, all the rest of the disciples, nowhere to be found. <laughs> they beat it for boogie, man. They're, they're out of there. They've already given up. But, you know, P Peter... He's still trying. He's still, I mean, he is faltering big time, but he's there. He's within shooting distance. But the second thing I want us to notice here is that Peter was clearly identified as a disciple of Jesus Christ. They knew exactly who he was, even though Peter was denying it. That is that, you know, the woman said, you know, I, I know you are one of them because I've seen you personally with Jesus. And then another one said, you know what? I know you're one of them because I've seen you with all those believers. You know, you're always hanging out with the rest of them who hung out with Jesus. And then the third one said, you know what? I, I know you're one of them because you, you talk like them. You're a Galilean. You, you have a, a Galilean accent. The Gospel of Matthew adds that information to us. The reason he called him a Galilean was he recognized his accent. And so my question to us is, listen, if, if they came to get us, which, you know, you wonder how long it will be sometimes, if they came to arrest us for being a follower of Jesus, would, would they easily identify me? Would they easily identify you with those same three characteristics? Yeah, I, I, I know her. I, I know him. They, they have a personal relationship with Jesus. I, I, they pray. They read their Bible. <laughs> They're full of the Spirit. I mean, you can see Jesus all over them. Or you know what? If you want to find them, they'll be over at the high school on Sunday morning while we're sleeping in. <laughs> They're over there with those other weirdos at the high school, you know, singing. <laughs> that's them. You'll see them there. You want to find them? That's where they'll be. Amen. Or you know what? Um, you know, all you got to do is listen to them. They, they, they don't talk like us. They, they talk like Jesus. Listen, they, they don't take the Lord's name in vain every five words. They, they, they don't put people down. They don't gossip. They, they speak love and faith. And Man, they, they talk like the Bible, man. They're weird. They, 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 they talk like that. They, they have a Holy Spirit accent, man. They're, they're weird. <laughs> What a great accusation. I hope somebody accuses me of that. Verse 60. It continues. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered 
the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. I've often wondered, you know, what it was like for Peter to lock eyes with Jesus in that moment. Can you imagine how, how painful, how crushing that was to Peter? And, you know, how did, how did Jesus then look back at him? You know, did Jesus look at him with just disdain, like, how could you, Peter? I mean, after all I've done for you, after all we've been through together, I mean, how could you do that to me, Peter? You, you said you would never. You said you would never deny me. You would die first. How could you do that? No, gratefully, that's not our Jesus. You see, you remember that last week, or it was a couple weeks ago now, that Jesus was the one who, who told Peter, Peter, listen, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith would not falter. And Jesus was also the one that told Peter, listen, you're... You're going to deny me three times. And so listen, when Peter locked eyes with Jesus, what he saw in Jesus' eyes was understanding. Because listen, Peter was surprised with himself. But Jesus wasn't surprised. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. <laughs> if you've ever been guilty of, you know, I will never do that. You know, others, they might do that. I'm, I'm a person of integrity. I'm fa I, I will never do that. And yet you did. And you were surprised with yourself and disappointed. Well, listen, I just want to encourage you this morning to look to Jesus. And what you will see in his eyes is not surprise, but understanding. And what you'll see in his eyes is not condemnation, but compassion. And he is looking to forgive you, and he is looking to restore you. Verse 62. And he, that, that's Peter, went out and wept. What? Man, have I done that a few times. If you love the Lord, man, and you, you failed, you've sinned, you've rebelled. If, if you understand the wickedness of your heart and your bent that is constantly the wrong direction, then, then you will have this response. You, you will weep bitterly for how you've hurt Jesus, for how you've hurt the Father, for how you fail Him. And you listen, it's an appropriate response. It's a right response. It's a, that's a good thing. 
And so listen, Peter here, he thinks his life's over. He thinks his ministry is over. You know, he's failed, man. He, he thinks the Lord's done with him. I mean, he, he, it, it's, it's just, I, I blew it too bad. This, this thing's blown up. And I want you to understand that nothing could be further from the truth. Once again, appearances are not what we live by. Because we serve a God of second chances. We serve a God who continually looks to forgive us and restore us. Listen, if we will just turn to him, that is what he'll do. Just turn to him. Don't run from him. Turn to him. And he will restore you. And listen, he does that for Peter. And, and Peter experienced this. And I, I want to show us. So if if you would just turn over to the Gospel of John, it's the next book over, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, and we'll see Jesus restoring Peter. Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 15, 16, and 17 is what we'll take a look at. Verse 15, 16, and 17. Chapter 21, Gospel of John, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast. Now, the context here is that after Jesus was crucified and he rose from the grave three days later, Jesus actually appeared to the disciples several times before he ascended to heaven. And so this is one of the times that Jesus was spending time with the disciples and they actually have breakfast together. And during this breakfast together, Jesus has a conversation with Peter. And so this is what happens. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Well, listen, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And so Jesus very purposely, very intentionally restores Peter here three times. And so he asks him, Peter, do you love me? And listen, Jesus knows the answer to that. But he is making Peter affirm it again in his heart, making Peter reestablish that love in his own heart, reestablish that he truly does love Jesus, even though he had failed. So he makes him affirm it again, and then he says, feed my sheep. That is, that is listen, Peter, you're, you're still the man for the job. Peter, I haven't given up on you. Go do my business. And so he says to him a second time, once again, do you love me? 
again affirming him. Then tend my sheep. That is again, Peter, you're still the man for the job. Your failure has not put you out. I am for you. You know, I haven't given up on you. Go do my business. And then he says to him a third time, again, do you love me? Not to hurt him, to restore him. Then, then feed my sheep. And so then we see Peter going out and preaching his very first sermon in Acts 2.37. And 3,000 people were saved. And so what I want us to understand from that this morning is this. Failure is not final in Christ. Listen, friends, if you're still here, then God is not done with you. And so I would call you, you know, maybe you feel like you've blown it. Maybe you feel like your ministry's over. Maybe you feel like you've drifted. Maybe you feel like, I don't know, you just can't quite get it right. Whatever it might be, I'm just here to say, please, please, I, I, we can't. We, we are weak. We, we fail miserably. We just got to keep turning to Jesus. We just got to keep looking to Jesus. And listen, he will forgive you. He will restore you. Listen, weep. That's a good thing. Weep over your sin. That's, that's a good thing. That just means that you really, really are broken about it. And you really love Jesus. But listen, let him restore you in church. Hear me. Let God do his greatest work yet in and through your life. If you're still here, then God wants to use you to advance his kingdom, his power, his love through your life. Jesus doesn't give it up on you. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself. Jesus will never leave you, forsake you. He hasn't given up on you. He has not left you. He loves you. Get back up. Get back in the game. Listen, God has a mighty work to do in and through you and me. And listen, we are going to hold the line and we are going to build the kingdom and we're going to pass on our faith to the next generation and we're going to stand for righteousness and freedom until our Jesus comes. Amen. Amen. Come on. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.